Fierce Marriage listeners, we have a fun episode for you today. We got to talk to some of our really good friends, uh, Aaron and Jennifer Smith. They are the founders of Marriage After God. It's a it's a uh, podcast uh, wherever you get your podcasts, but they're also um, kind of known for, Jennifer has a page called Unveiled Wife on Facebook. I think there's over a million people on there, probably a lot more than that. And then uh, uh, Aaron has a page called Husband Revolution, and they've just been, they've been spending the last, I don't know how many years longer than us, just ministering to couples, to uh, encouraging you uh, in the gospel. And we got to talk to them about their new book. It's called Marriage After God. And it truly is, it truly is a good book. And it's a work of, I think, gospel ministry. And so, um, and we're going to talk about that and you're going to get to know them a little bit here. So uh, we hope you enjoy this episode and uh, yeah, see you on the other side. Right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special surprise. This is, this is not a surprise at this point. This is a this is a <laughs> treat. This is a treat. We have Aaron and Jennifer Smith with us. Hey guys, how are you doing? We're doing great. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, super excited to be on your podcast. Yes, <laughs> that's right. We were on your podcast uh, a little while back. That was a blast. So fun. You guys have an awesome, awesome podcast. What is the name of that for the benefit of our wonderful listeners? What what, you, what is it called? Uh, so our podcast is called Marriage After God. Oh, which, imagine uh, that. Yeah. This is <laughs> also the name of our book that we're going to be talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you guys, and I know we talked about this on years, but I'm going to say it again here, but we go way back, I'll say. Mm-hmm. You guys have been in the marriage game for a little bit longer than us. I'd say like a year or two longer than than the Fredericks. Mm-hmm. And your early relationship and and friendship and encouragement was so helpful for us. We met in Southern California. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the earliest memory we have with you guys is going to Ikea on a double date. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was just thinking of um, uh, Mexican food with you guys also. Oh, that was good. That's right. That was good. Yeah. And it was in SoCal. So Mexican, Mexican SoCal food. It's awesome. So it good. is awesome. Yeah. I think there are a few people you can go to Ikea with and still be friends with afterwards. Like <laughs> that says a lot to me because <laughs> yeah. I can barely go and keep my own sanity. But when you go with new friends yeah. and you're still friends, I, it's I, definitely a God connection. I feel like that's one of those like premarital tests they should have is like a couple should go to Ikea together. <laughs> And if they still love each other, then they can get married. <laughs> the trick is just one of the couples can't buy anything. They have to be just, just there to help the other couple buy their stuff. That's, that's true service. That's true love. Yeah. It, that's motivated by service. Walk out with some silverware and a uh, couch. Yes. <laughs> and, a, and a whole sectional. Anyway. Awesome. So so tell us about so marriage after God. All right. That's a that's a word that I mean, that's a phrase that you guys are kind of known for. Um, I know you have devotionals, you have a wife after God, you have husband after God, and now you have marriage after God, which is your podcast, it's your book, it's also kind of a different ministry in a sense, aside from Husband Revolution and Unveiled Wife. You guys have a lot going on. So tell us, what <laughs> is it? four amazing children. Yes. Yes, yeah. that's right. Four and, amazing and, children, yes. All right, I glossed over that part. But yeah, four <laughs> amazing children. That's incredible. That's no small feat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so tell us, what, what is it? what does it mean to have a marriage after God? And within that kind of answer, um, let us know a little bit about yourselves as well. <laughs> I'm trying to wrap it all in one. <laughs> well, I'll start with just some background so your listeners kind of get familiar with us if they are not familiar with us. And uh, so Aaron and I have been married for 12 and a half years. And like you guys already mentioned, we have four kids. Um, 
uh, our oldest is six and then um, our daughter is four. We have three boys and a girl. So our daughter's four and then our other two sons are two and a half and um, almost one. Yeah, lots of stuff going on. So like you said, we have our, our ministries that we do online, but um, yeah, the, the most recent thing is Marriage After God and uh, our heart with um, this book and with the podcast is to inspire and be a catalyst to Christian marriages around the world, essentially, to uh, pursue a marriage after God, to, be, to see their it. marriage as a tool in the hand of Almighty God. And that's, that's so much of, I think, our heartbeat as well. I think that's why we just immediately hit it off with you guys, because marriage is about more than just the marriage itself, right? It's about reflecting a deeper truth, a greater truth, a grander purpose, right? And that's mm-hmm. so much what I see when I, when I read your book, Marriage After God, I see that coming out almost on every page is the mm-hmm. sense that like, hey, lift up your eyes, your relationship, your role as a husband, your role as a wife is not about you. It's not about marriage. It's about Jesus, on some level, mm-hmm. on every level, really. Mm-hmm. So I guess my first question is this. So having said that, what what differentiates a marriage after God versus a just a quote unquote Christian marriage? And how are those how are those different? Because we have a lot of listeners who would call themselves Christians, but maybe maybe there's a different, like a deeper way to live out their marriage. So can you differ, differentiate between a marriage after God versus just a Christian marriage? Yeah. I, when I read that question, I was like, oh, how would I answer this? Because... Uh, <laughs> It could get easy. They they sound the same, um, and I, I want to say I want to answer it gently also because I don't want to just throw certain kinds of people who are in a certain uh, on a certain uh, place in their journey with God. Um, but it, there's lots of people who would call themselves Christians. They go to church, you know. They have a Bible, um, you know. They they love God, and uh, but I would say that they haven't yielded their life um, in a way that He is Lord, and so. You know, there's this idea of like, yeah, I was raised a Christian or yeah, you know, we're Christians. We go to church uh, versus, you know, we are uh, Christ followers and Jesus is our Lord and we are going to do what he says. And we know where he says it. It's in his word and we're going to follow that. So I said, you know, a Christian marriage where you have two people that are Christians and they love God and they go to church, but they don't see their life as um, something to be used for God. They don't see themselves as attached to the body of Christ. They, they kind of are just floating maybe um, mm-hmm. where a marriage after God sees themselves as connected to the body is yielded to the word of God and says, we, you know, whatever the Lord says and where he says to go, we are going to do it. That's awesome. And so I, I feel like that's maybe the difference. Um, and that's, again, that's what we wrote the book for is to say, Hey, uh, we love that you love God, but here's his heart for you. Here's his heart to draw you into what he's doing and how he, what his intention is for your marriage from the creation of, of mankind, essentially. And just to add to that, I would say that um, we wrote this book to encourage couples to get to the place where they can ask the question, God, what can our marriage do for you? And our book is really practical, too, in the sense that uh, we give tips and we share personal stories of our journey and what we've done and and how we've pursued God together as a couple um, just to bring them to that place where they can ask God, you know, what what is our marriage meant for um, and and hopefully have a conversation about it. Yeah. And and like I said earlier, everyone's at a place on this journey with God if they claim to be a believer and they they love God. And we wanted this book to be a, a part of that journey. It actually, the book itself is a journey. It mm-hmm. has a beginning and an end, um, not 
in the sense of just the beginning of the book and the end of the book, but it's, it's an actual process. It starts with the most important things and it moves you through and it helps you to identify things and then, and see the pitfalls and, and then also identify what God's given you and how to use it. And it also, it ends off with showing you exactly what God's will is for your marriage and how he wants it to be used for his glory and for his purposes. I love it. I love it. We had a good interview with, um, you probably know them, uh, Jeff and Alyssa Bethke. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have gotten to talk to them at all, but obviously just they're one of these couples, right? They're a marriage after God and they're totally on mission. And one of the things they said, and it's exactly what you guys are saying, the, the way he worded it was super, um, I found I found it elucidating for me. It was very helpful. He said, some some people view it as kind of family or marriage and mission, meaning that you've, like, if you're a mm-hmm. pastor or something, you've got family on one side and then you've got your mission kind of separate mm-hmm. from that. And then the other one was uh, like family as mission. So, so mm-hmm. it's kind of the thing. It's like the grand purpose is like ha- mm-hmm. being a parent, being a wife, being a husband is like the, is, is the end in itself. Right. <clears throat> and then what he said is the third one was marriage or, or family on mission, meaning that you you are together and you're stewarding it, but for a much bigger purpose. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and they're, it's for God's glory and not anything else. And that could take you to the ends of the earth. It could take you deep in your community. It could take you anywhere. Um, and in the family unit will still be intact. Right. Mm-hmm. And you, as a, as a married couple, you'll still be intact. And, mm-hmm. um, but it's just, it, the whole focus is different. Right. And I think probably one of my favorite chapters out of your guys' book is the, um, the marks of a marriage after God, because you really outline, mm. I think those things that you were saying that differentiate, you know, a Christian marriage versus one that is really on mission and, and, and seeking after God, you know, it's, you say it's one that demonstrates submission, that it's, a marriage after God is biblical. The one thing I, I really love, and I don't feel like it's said enough, and I feel like you guys really, this is, is a loud um, message from you guys, is just your oneness is meant, you know, for your witness. Oneness, and I'm reading it straight from the book on this part because I love this quote. Oneness is one of the greatest ways we show the world the true gospel. Hmm. Um, yeah. Can you guys just kind of maybe unpack that just a little bit as far as, as oneness goes and how, how you see that as being uh, a witness and sort of, catapulting you know people to mm-hmm. the gospel yeah one of the things that we you know we try and tell people like this isn't uh your ordinary marriage book that just gives you tips on how to communicate better and how to you know be happier and you know not fight as much and um, there's plenty of amazing books out there that do those things and they're necessary and we need those to, to help us in our in our you know tool belt to grow and strengthen but we wanted to use our marriages you know, every, all your marriage, the, the listener, the reader's marriage as a picture to explain exactly what God's trying to do in this world. And so not only is it a picture to help us understand what God's doing, but it's also the thing that God's going to use to do the thing that he's doing, if that makes sense. Um, oh, man. And so, you know, when we talk about this idea of oneness in your marriage, um, Ephesians, Paul says in Ephesians five, when he's talking about marriage and the roles and how we are to love each other and to submit to, um, you know, wives submit to their husbands and husbands love their wives. He says that this is a mystery, and the mystery is that it pertains to Christ and the church. And so he literally takes the entire reason God created marriage and says the mystery that marriage is, is that it is a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of Christ and the church, which is, which is the idea of what the gospel is to do, is to redeem the, the lost to the Father. And Christ did that by you know, redeeming his bride, mm-hmm. just like we hear in uh, the story of Hosea. And yeah. so uh, we get this in John 
also in the in the, when in John 17 when Jesus is praying the high priestly prayer and he's praying that not only his disciples because he starts off praying about his disciples that they would be one that they'd be unified you know as I'm one with you father make them one with each other make me you know one with me I and them you and he just has this you know uh repetitive you know oneness I and me you and him them us and each other like it's this over and over and over again and then he says I don't pray just for them but I pray for all of those who are going to come to know you through me and so he's talking about all Christians and he's, and he literally says that um, the world will know that God sent Jesus that sent, sent him by our unity, by our oneness. And so you have this picture, this small picture of, of the church in the home. So you have mm. the husband representing Christ, you have the wife representing the church. And so when you have, when you have those symbols, those symbols aren't things you can set, you can't separate the meaning of the symbol from the reality. They, they just are like, as a husband, I represent Christ. Either I'm being a bad representation or a good one. Right. Wow. And the, wi- so the good, wife, <laughs> the wife represents the church, whether she likes to or not. Um, and either we're being bad representations or good representations, either we're, mm. we're showing the world, you know, as we are walking in the spirit, of course, uh, what the gospel is, or we're showing them what the gospel isn't. And so our marriages are little and actually powerful uh, pictures of the gospel to the world um, by our unity, by our oneness, by us walking together. And then you see the next level is the unity in the church, the the individuals in the body of Christ is, you know, our unity together shows the world that we're his disciples and it shows the world that God sent Jesus. Mm-hmm. The, the, that is powerful. That simply by walking in unity with each other, we are witnessing to the world. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. Um, so obviously, God's word is alive and rich in both of you. <laughs> that's that's in it's prevalent through all of your work, through you know your speaking, your podcast, your books, all the things that you guys do. Um, so, what would you? I guess, how would you encourage a couple to to kind of jump and be in the word? What What are some ways that husbands and wives can maybe study together, or how they can kind of get that walk going? Because it is knowing God's word helps us know who he is and helps us get a, that bigger sense and bigger picture of understanding the bigger purpose of marriage. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely foundational. We, we, we need to be men and women who are um, not just willing, but make a priority of reading the word of God. And, um, you know, I'll just share personally uh, ways that we do this is we, we commit to doing it. We, we set time aside to do it on a regular basis. And so just an encouragement to those listening right now, if you're not reading the word of God regularly, daily, start there. And it doesn't mean you need to sit down and read the whole Bible, but get in the word. Yeah. Open it. Open it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then another big way that um, Aaron's let out in this, um, well, two ways I'll share. He's really good at um, catching me like at night when I'm on my phone and he'll say, Hey, why don't you get in the word? And just like those gentle reminders of, yeah, what am I doing? Because sometimes we get caught up in wasting time or, um, or zoning out or I don't know. Just, I'm notorious for it. We both just are. Scrolling. We both are. <laughs> yeah. And those gentle. So as a couple, we can have those gentle reminders for each other to mm-hmm. put our put our time to something very useful that will build both of us up. Um, there's been other times where he initiates, hey, um, I'd like to read you this this chapter of the Bible. I'm going to read out loud and we're just laying in bed and um, it's usually before we go to bed. And um, sometimes we talk about it and sometimes we just leave it as 
just mm-hmm. reading the word of God. And those times really are encouraging and support our marriage. And I've really enjoyed it. Um, another way that um, th- th- we've built uh, getting in the word as a family is through family Bible time. And this is a great way for even the youngest of the youngest kids can get involved with learning God's word and um, and spending time together. It's, it's, a, it's a way that our family spends quality time together. We get in the word of God. Sometimes it's five minutes. Sometimes it's 20 minutes. Sometimes they have really big questions and we sit there and di- dialogue about it. Um, but the point is, is that it's consistent in our family routine. And so it's not just, you know, sometimes on this day or sometimes at that time, what we figured out was that we had to um, make it a priority in the beginning of our day because that's what worked best for our family. And um, it became an expectation even on the kids part. They mm-hmm. expect it. Yeah. Um, but it's the it's a parent's rule to walk that out uh, with their kids. The kids aren't aren't going to initiate that one. So I, I got to be honest, I've I you know, how you, you form a, a picture of people in your head and you uh it's just like you you imagine them like when you think about them you're imagining them doing something you don't even realize it but whenever i picture aaron i'm picture you reading your bible to your kids and i i see because i've seen it on instagram i know you shared on your stories and all that kind of stuff i do i picture that too right that's that's how we picture aaron and jennifer smith is they're reading the bible to their kids (laughs) that's so cool i will say that that, uh you guys live this out uh, as far as we can see and i mean obviously the heart the, the word is in your heart like selena was saying and it bears fruit you guys i mean you guys are a healthy couple your family i mean we haven't hung out with you guys in way too long but there's fruit that's that's there in terms of the health of your kids and all that kind of stuff and that's i mean what else can we spend our time doing right and it seems like you can't it's hard to minister out of uh what you don't have right i mean we can minister to a point but when we when we aren't being you know fed ourselves and connected to God and being having that re- that ongoing relationship that is you know mm. alive. How can I how can I share mm. that with other people? I can't I can't share anything that I don't have. And so yeah, yeah. It'd be so, like trying to pour out. It'd be like trying to pour out you know ice cold water into a cup, but you're sitting there, you know, holding the the pitcher and it's empty. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why this thing's empty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, this so is I, a, I love that because yeah. I feel like not reading scripture, there's a lot of reasons why we wouldn't do that, yeah. right? Either it's like you said, distractions, or sometimes I know for me, like I approach God's word with too much of an agenda, right? So I'll think, mm-hmm. oh, I have to study it and I have to get this out of it instead of just reading it and letting mm-hmm. it just read me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And letting it just be in our house and just mm-hmm. kind of letting it fill the gaps instead of having an agenda, right? So that's one of my mm-hmm. things. But I love this. In chapter two, it's titled in your book, it says, The War on Your Effectiveness, right? So everything you've mm-hmm. talked about here is casting this amazing I have a really early copy, so I'm hoping that I have the right, the latest copy. <laughs> no, the right. title didn't change, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like everything you're talking about is like your that your effectiveness as a couple is dependent on your grounding in God's word and grounding in his purposes. So let's talk about the war on our effectiveness. What are those things that distract us? Namely, uh, again, I love I love your guys' just how everything's so clear. I know, they have the tool belt and the, the tactics and of the I, enemy. We're like, like I said earlier, we're, we're finishing <laughs> our book, and now our book is is wo- woefully inadequate. <laughs> so, no, um, no. Anyway, you have this, a section called Five Tactics of the Enemy. You talk about fear and lies, and I'm looking them up here, and sin, scoffers, and division. So, so I'll say this. Talk about that. So you you just mentioned how you 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 looked at our book and then you're looking at your book and thinking it's inadequate. Uh, that's one of the ways 
uh, just to use it as an example, yeah, that the enemy yeah. <laughs> can can uh, get in and and remove our effectiveness because how often are there believers out there that God has put a call in their life, given them a gift? Uh, it, maybe it's writing a book or um, you know do, do creating a social media account or going and talking to someone, and they think, no, I'm not qualified for that, or right. I'm not. There's people that have done it way better than me, or like what you know what what am I going to do that's you know going to have any effect? You know, when you have this guy over here, that's his book is incredible. Like you know what you were just talking about. <laughs> when if you believe those those lies that um, that it, I'm not good enough or that. Um, it's not going to, someone already did it better than me or which there might be truth in these things, but it, what it does it is it should have us go to our knees and to God and say, okay, Lord, you want me to do this? How do I do this for you? How do I do this? Well, mm. and not just uh, disqualify myself before I've even stepped out mm-hmm. of the boat, you know, mm-hmm. and so, so lies, good. lies is one of them. And, and this lies come in an infinite number of forms, um, which is again, why we need to know the word of God. Uh, and also walk in community so that we can, if there's lies that are too hard to like navigate around, like uh, this actually seems like it's true. Mm -hmm. We can actually vet them. And as it says in first John, we can test every spirit that we, that Mm -hmm. we receive that, you know, we're not going to just take something and say, Oh, that's the truth. And therefore um, I'm not going to, you know, do anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the lies that a lot of Christians might believe is that they don't have a role in the body, that all the roles are taken. They're, they're fulfilled by much more talented, much more beautiful, much more uh, whatever. And they're not, they have no role. And that is a lie. Cause every, Aaron, I thought my body. role was taken by you. Cause you're much more beautiful than me. It's the, no. it's the <laughs> no. it's got a lot going on, man. Mm-hmm. You're like, you're, you're doing CrossFit, you know, it's just, you're so, you're so fit, you know, <laughs> anyway. So I, um, I actually want to, I'm gonna look at one specific tactic and I, I caught me because I, I just want to hear you guys expand on it. It's the scoffers one. Right. So what do you mean by yeah. how can scoffers be a tactic against our I think effectiveness Jennifer as a should couple? Share, so literally like the first article or maybe even the second article we ever posted, <laughs> uh, we got like a two page comment and it was, it was, it was directed toward, it was directed towards Jennifer about me. But my immediate response was just shut everything down. It's, it's not that big of a deal. I don't care about blogging. Like this is not worth it. This is oh, not okay. Yeah. I didn't do that. <laughs> oh man, it was so painful. And um, that was the first thing that came to our mind when we thought about scoffers. But you know what? The truth is there are scoffers all the time. They could be in our own family where we share a vision of what God's doing in our life or we share, you know, how we're moving toward toward doing something together. And then immediately we get, you know, negative pushback or, um, you know, people who are not very nice and that the, the enemy, oh, the enemy gets us through these relationships because yeah. he, he stirs up these negative feelings in our hearts, these the fear and uh, insecurities. And then we start to question whether, whether or not what we're doing is the right thing or good enough. Mm-hmm. So I'll give an example. When, uh, when I, I, right before I went on my first mission trip, I, I felt like God wanted me to go and I was researching it and I got ready. And then, so I finally, I was like, okay, well, the only way I can go is if I raise the funds and I needed like $4,000. But when I found out about the trip, it was only like, I only had like a month to do it. It was really quick. And I was like, okay, well, if I don't get the money, I can't go. So, but I'm going to ask because I feel like I should go. And so my, my church graciously let me come up before them and say, Hey, I'm going to go on a trip and I need this much money. And, you know, if you want to donate, that's great. And, uh, you know, a couple people donated here and there was really awesome. 
didn't have nearly enough money. And uh, someone I knew came up to me and literally said, you're never going to get the money. You shouldn't go. And I was like, uh, what? He's like, yeah, you're not, you're not going to get it. There's no way it's too, mm-hmm. it's too fast. And it wasn't like a, Hey man, I just want to encourage you. Like if you don't get the money, just know that God might have other plans. And like, like, cause there could be some wisdom given in like the idea of not sure. getting the money, which is fine. But it wasn't that it was, you're not going to do it. And literally <laughs> right after he said this, a woman came up to me that had never, I've never met before, never been to my church before and wrote a check for $4,000 to me. Oh, wow. It was the exact amount he needed. It was the, she oh, just gave man. me the full amount. She didn't care if anyone else gave me money. She just hold on. Her reason was so cool. Can you share? Yeah, that her her reason was she was a flight attendant. And she had a, son, a young son. I think she was a single mother, and she said anytime she takes her son on flights with her, her son would just sit next to people and just tell people about God and like share just the share the gospel and loved people. And she just she said, I just want my son to have more examples like you when he gets older. She's like that are willing to go and, and, and go and travel and tell people about God. Cause he already loves doing this. And she just wrote me a ch- and she's just a single mom on uh, flight attendants. Wow. It was wow. literally so, moments after I was told I'm not going to get the money. So, so did you was, take that check and do what you should have done and just wave in that guy's face and say in your face? No, <laughs> no, I no I'll tell you what happened. Come I on. came up, I, I came up to him and I looked over his shoulder. I go, Oh, what's that? Cause you had tears in your eyes and you just, um, it was folded in half and you opened it. And the guy who said that to you was standing next to me and he started crying. Yeah. So God used it to touch oh, wow. his life. I didn't, I didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't think his intention was uh, necessarily to, to stop me from doing it. There's just some people can't see spiritual things. Some people can't see sure. very far ahead. And so they can only help you get to where they're currently at. And it might be mm-hmm. behind. It might be pulling you back. And so... I, I wanted to make sure that people weren't thinking scoffers are like just anyone who says like, Hey, maybe this isn't the right path for you because there's plenty of people in our lives that are going to give us wisdom and might say like, Hey, I, I think that's a great thing you're doing, but consider these things. That's not what we're talking about. when We talk about scoffers. Right. A scoffer is someone who's going to come to you and just literally be the opposite voice of the spirit in your life. They're mm-hmm. not going to give you wisdom. They're just going to give you um, negativity. They're just going to you drag down. you down, put you down, d- disqualify you with their words and tell you why God would never want to use you. Tell you wh- why you're not worthy. Tell you why what you have to offer isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And that's not how God works because God is the, he's raising us up. He elevates us, not for our mm-hmm. own glory, but for his. And And let's all who's listening right now, you know, take heed to this message today because uh i think it's important for us to know that how we can how we communicate in our words and what we share with others is so important you know i guess what i'm saying is let us not be the scoffers in people's lives that's so good and i think sometimes the way the scoffers can get at us is before they even open their mouth right because part of the other (laughs) tactics is fear right and doubt and this, and so a lot of times we fear, man, I think you wrote in there, you said, uh, I can't remember what exactly it said, because I don't have the page in front of me, but it was well, what you fear has the most power in your life, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so if you fear man, like man, and the criticisms of man, mankind, mm-hmm. is going to yeah. be the most powerful thing in your life. And that's, that's like, that's the definition of uh, like idol worship, essentially, like we're fearing mm-hmm. that more than we're fearing God. Mm-hmm. And I think especially in today's culture, where everything seems like everything Christian is not cultural, right? Like, like traditional marriage and, you know, not, not having sex before you get married and not living together. And like all the, all the things that God's word would instruct us to do that you'd have to have a vision for, if you're going to live that Mm -hmm. intentionally Mm -hmm. in today's culture, you might even just 
avoid talking about it or avoid sharing your faith or avoid living that out because you're afraid of the scoffers that that are out there somewhere and they haven't even said anything yet. <laughs> yeah, well, right, so. the, the other fears like, you know, fears of bodily harm or fears of loss of possessions or fears of, of, of losing relationships like friends or family, which the Bible is very clear on all of those things. Uh, it says, blessed are those when, you know, when you have your possessions taken away from my namesake. <laughs> that he's like right. saying you're blessed. Um, yeah. It says, if you love your, your family more than you love me, you have no part in me. And he's not saying to just kick everyone out of your life, but there's going to come a time that it's what we believe and what we love and what we fear, which is God will clash right. with those who don't love or fear God. And it will cost and, us something. Yeah. yeah. It's going to cost us something. So we, yeah, we brought that fear into it because, and we, it was actually like our number one tactic that the enemy uses is because the the fear is it, nothing external has to happen for us to decide not to do something. Mm. All we have to do is be afraid. And so it's like the, it's like the least point of resistance is all he's got to do is remind us of the thing that we're afraid of, or make us afraid of something or show us the things that we're afraid of. And it could stop us in our tracks. No, wow. I'm not going to go speak to that person right now because, you know, what if he, you know, yells at me or what if he attacks me? I don't know. What if he, what if he looks at me funny? What, what if, if he, he just doesn't receive what I say? What if he just doesn't mm. receive what I say? And then all of a sudden, you know, we're like, Oh yeah. So we literally disqualify ourselves before even opening right. our mouths. <laughs> and um, no one's, no one's thought know. or said anything but you. Right. And yeah. we're the only, yeah. Or the, or the devil's <laughs> whispering these lies to us and, and telling yeah. us that we should be afraid. Uh, so but in, that, yeah, in, those, Good. In terms of just flipping that script then, right? Because we have the tactics of the enemy. What, you know, for the couple who's listening to this, who they're maybe a younger couple and, you know, just newly married or engaged and headed that way and wanting to, you know, set things off on the right, in the, on the right foot. What are, you mentioned a couple's tool belt, right? So, mm -hmm. and how, how it's important for a marriage after God. What what is a couple's what's in a couple's tool belt? If you could just expand on that idea without giving the whole book away, because we're talking about a lot of that's in the book. So, <laughs> yes, we want them to read the book. Um, yes, <laughs> but uh, the tool belt is a, a really cool picture to help uh, couples just have a conversation about what what God has given their marriage, what makes their marriage unique. It's one of the um, most practical chapters in the in the book. Yeah, and we 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 can't identify what's in every single person's unique tool belt. But what right. we did do is we identified four areas that would help a couple uh, figure out what's in their tool belt. So the four areas are experiences. So things that they've learned, uh, events that they've been to, or it could be their schooling. negative experiences, pa yeah. past events that have happened to them. Um, the other one is testimony. So it's, you know, what God has done in your life or what he's currently doing in your life. Um, the other one's gifts, so natural giftings that you might have. You know, some people are really gifted in playing the guitar, or some people are really gifted in art. Some people are really gifted in it's foreign languages. I don't know. There's, there's so many. Yeah, there's so many things. Right. Yeah, we can't identify them all, but that's why we brought it up. Uh, number four is resources, and so that could be as simple as your finances to um, relationships that you mm -hmm. have or uh, material possessions that you own. Um, and the hmm. idea is to go to the table and have a conversation and we are way more practical and, and outline like what a couple can do in the book. Um, but simplified, it's just, you know, I taking these four categories and, and saying, okay, um, what, what do we have? And really what we wanted to do is we wanted to take away any reason that, a, that a couple can say that they don't have what they need to do, what God wants them to do, mm -hmm. that they're not where God, where they need to be before they can be used that, 
uh, th that anywhere they're at, they can look at their life and say, wow, like, look what God has given us. How does he want us to use this for him? Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes we have this idea that like, oh, I'm not a gifted speaker. Look at that guy. He's such a good pastor. Like, he teaches the Bible so well. I couldn't do that. And then I sit back and I think like, I have, I can't do anything. Mm -hmm. And all we've right. done is, all we've done is looked at someone else's giftings and talents and resources and position and said, well, I'm not him. So therefore I'm out. Mm -hmm. But the idea is that every single person has been given something. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll give you just one example. Uh, Ryan and Selena, you guys have access to people in, in your close community that Jennifer and I will never meet. We may never right, talk right. to, they may never listen to our podcast that, you know, we just happen to have this, this resource and this tool of a podcast, but you, you're in a, you're, you have a neighbor that we're not neighbors with. You have children that we don't see or interact with. Yeah. You, right. there, there's things that you have access to in locations and, and resources and, and giftings that aren't ours. And you know what? Praise God, because yeah. I can't do all of the work that God's doing in this world. All I can do is what God's given me to do and be faithful with it. And we get Love this it. perfect example in the um, in this, the parable of the talents, which is told a few different ways in the in the Gospels. But each person was given a set of talents: five, three, one. Not all of them are the same, but all are required the same thing. They're all required to bring a return. Now the returns are going to look different. The returns right. are going to be in different you know quantities. But the the point is is that they were good, faithful servants, mm -hmm. and all of them were servants of the most high of the, of the, of the, the guy, not, not, not like, it's not like the guy that was given the one was a heathen and he's not a believer. And he's, he's this guy over there. And, Oh, that's only for those people that don't know God. No, actually what, which is scares is each one of them is a picture of a believer is a picture of someone who's been given something by God and either we can invest it. Now it doesn't say how they invested it exactly. It just, it does say that they, they doubled it and gave a return, but the idea is they, they took it and used it and brought a return to the, to their, to their master. And then the one guy hid his one thing because he looked at it. You're a hard person. You didn't give me what you gave them. And so he hid it and he didn't do anything with it. And he thought what I have isn't worthy enough to invest. What I was given isn't, you know, what that guy was given. So therefore I'm not going to do anything with it. And that's just a wicked way of thinking. And that story mm -hmm. says, it essentially gives, gives that impression like, Hey, don't be a, a wicked and lazy servant. Let's, let's recognize that God has endowed each and every single one of us with giftings by the spirit and resources, practical resources, money, a location, a home, a car, a lawnmower, a cat, uh, you know, <laughs> um, you know, we Never have, heard that yeah, I don't know what you would use a cat for. I'm going to use my cat uh, to glorify God. I'm sure someone, Not possible. I'm sure someone is the devil's animal right now thinking, I'm going to use my cat for ministry. Yes, you could. Um, right. But we, we have to recognize that these things that God's given us are are his mm -hmm. and we're not owners right. of them. We're stewards of them. It's so good. So good. And I think you guys, you're offering so much hope, um, you know, for the couples that are in the difficult times or thinking that they're inadequate and, you know, how can mm -hmm. I really like bring the gospel to my community or the situation that I'm in and just saying, you have your very own experience. You have your very own, um, I hate to say experience, but you just, everything like about, yeah, yeah, testimony about your relationship, yeah. your marriage, and who you are as an individual can be used for God's glory. And I can't say that, you know, we, we're all different. God's allowed us to have these different experiences. And so the, to the couple that is having, like walking through a pretty difficult time, um, and maybe they are taking those steps of trying to read their Bible more together. They're tr mm -hmm. really trying to work out what it means to have a marriage after God. What, what kind of encouragement would you 
Um, Jen, what would you say to the wife? And Erin, what would you say to the husband? So the first thing that comes to my mind, and you kind of already touched on it, is that um, being able to look to the future and have vision really does produce a, a, a hope in our hearts that gets us through today. And sometimes today is just hard and we'll get stuck on the, the circumstances or the things that we're walking through. Um, but but what Marriage After God does is it encourages a couple to look to the future, um, to, to communicate about the future, uh, to have goals and things that you're working towards together. And that kind of marriage, that kind of communication within marriage produces the hope and the perseverance that people need today. So I think it's a huge encouragement to, to couples uh, walking through even the most difficult things. Yeah. And I would say that hope that we get for the future comes from the gospel. And so uh, for the husbands, start preaching the gospel to yourself. Amen. Because the gospel is not just for the sinners. It's for the, the saved also. Mm -hmm. That there's so many times I need to be reminded of what the gospel means in my life, mm -hmm. that God has saved me, redeemed me and reconciled me to the father and that there's nothing in me worthy of that, but he did it anyway. And he gave it to me as a gift. Mm -hmm. And so if, if I could be preaching as the husband can be preaching that to himself and they'd be preaching that to his wife, the gospel is the thing that saved our marriage. Mm -hmm. It's the thing that saves any marriage. Mm -hmm. So if they truly start believing the gospel and what it means that, that, you know what, there is nothing good intrinsically inside of us. Right? So the, the natural way to be, is the destruction that we're doing currently. But the gospel, what it does is it saves us, reconciles us, and then restores us. And we get to start, if we start preaching that in our home, which we talk about this in the book is the, the gospel's for us. And if we can't preach it in our home, we'll, we will never be able to preach it to someone else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the gospel means something. And so for the husband, they could start reminding their wife of what the gospel means. And if their wife's not saved, the, the gospel is what saves them. And if they are saved, the gospel is what's going to remind us of what we're, what we're walking towards and from. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's the, the first place is just remembering that the gospels, we're, we're a gospel centric home, mm -hmm. um, in our, with our kids, with our relationship with each other. And then that helps us be the gospel because we know we, we're, we're preaching it so often to each other that we represent it better in our life because the transformation starts happening and, and people start saying like, what, well, what's going on? You were over here and this, there was this chaos and now there's order. What's go, what, where'd this come from? So good. It's from the it gospel. It just reminds me, I'm, I'm thinking of, again, talking to like the, the spouses who are discouraged and everything you're talking about is so true. And we hundred percent believe that and strive to live that just to always reminding, reminding ourselves of the gospel and the fact that it's, it is sufficient, right? Wherever we're at. But I'm reminded of the first, and I think it's in First or Second Peter, chapter one of either one of those books. Where it's in Christ, we have everything we need for life and mm -hmm. godliness, mm -hmm. and the true sufficiency of Christ. Right? And then that I think that's it's one of those like Christian things, or you can hear it and you can hear it over and over again, and you're just like, oh yeah, yeah, he's sufficient for some nebulous purpose, right? For something that I don't really know. But here and now, I feel hopeless, or here and now, I feel a lack of peace, or I have no joy, mm -hmm. or I'm just, you know. His sufficiency, that, that's what you said. The gospel is not just for the sinners, it's for the saved. And so to be a household founded and, and rooted in the gospel, I think, is the most hopeful tr truth that we can live as a, married, as a married couple. And I love how you guys, I mean, you guys just do such an incredible job of marrying, pardon the <laughs> terrible pun, but marrying <laughs> the root, the core root issues of our nature as humans and our need for a savior and the fact that Christ has saved us with the practical out 
like the outworkings of that in a marriage that is on mission or a marriage that is after God. So I love, I love what you guys have done with marriage after God. I'm just, I want to congratulate you on a, on a awesome, awesome piece of work. Mm-hmm. I truly mean Thank that. So um, I can't wait to see how this book impacts a whole generation. I know that it's one yeah. thing to have a book launch, but a, <laughs> a book like this, a book like what you've, you've done here, I think can have uh, a generational impact that it just, yeah. it sits on shelves. It's used in marriages practically. Mm-hmm. It uproots those wrong beliefs. So with that said, mm-hmm. I just want, I, I want to give you guys a chance to talk about um, kind of where, where we can find the book and those sorts of things. But before we do that, um, one of our favorite things to do is to ask couples that come on the Fierce Marriage podcast, what um, what was your most memorable date? And usually we let the let each of you have a turn. Because so <laughs> we'll sometimes with, it's not always the same date. So yeah. yeah. So let's, let's start with Jen. Ladies first. Jen, what's oh. your most, most memorable <laughs> date? I was going to let Aaron go first so I can see what he well, said. Don't use, oh, mine. <laughs> don't use mine then. Um, I think for me, one of the most memorable dates we had wasn't something that was planned by us, actually. Um, we were yeah. in the very uh, beginning of our marriage. Um, it was about, I'd say, oh, eight months into our marriage. Um, we were in Africa. We were doing missions, and it was a really hard time in our life. Um, but the directors of the missions organization that we were working with in Zambia um, gifted us and surprised us with a night away from the base that we were on. And uh, we went to like this little... It was like an African resort. And no, it's they, not a resort. It was it a was, yurt It was like a yurt yeah, village. They had these like yurt <laughs> uh, hut... Uh, cabins. That we yeah, but in. there was a whole portion of it that was missing that you could pull this like sheer curtain if you wanted to, but it sat right on the edge of a huge gorge. It was a it was a clawfoot wow. tub. Um, so they brought like champagne. Wow. There was a clawfoot tub, and it overlooked. It was just open to the. I mean, wow. there was nothing out there for hundreds of miles. Yeah. But, <laughs> I'm glad uh, you didn't yeah, die. I'm just gonna say that. No, no it sounds like you've die. fallen into this big ravine. <laughs> you're a little far back from it, but you can see down into it, and it's and we 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 did it at sunset. So it was so so. Cool. It faced the sun where the sunset wow. was awesome. Yeah, we were super grateful for that. That was a awesome. It felt like a little yeah. retreat away. Like I don't know. Well, I got to be honest. I was hoping you were going to say your most memorable date was the <laughs> Ikea with the Fredericks, but I won't take it personally. <laughs> favorite double date? That was a good, yeah, we, Maybe Aaron, was that yours? I'm just... <laughs> no. uh, I would say my favorite date was one that I planned. I, I It's very rare that I get to surprise my wife. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so I surprised her with... Uh, I worked with a friend who was getting his pilot's license and he was close to the end of his hours. Hmm. And he said, hey, you just pay for the flight time and... I'll fly you to Catalina. And so he, he flew Jennifer and I in a three person, uh, what I don't know, prop plane. Yeah, yeah. A little Cessna. And we got to fly the plane, um, over California, which is really cool. Wow. Yeah. It was turns. Jennifer accidentally it, it, opened the door and almost fell out. No. Uh, <laughs> Again, no, with the dying. No, like, the, the pilot, he let me drive for a little bit and it freaked me out. So I gave him back the control and, and then he said, Oh, look, look over uh, you know, out the window, there's Disneyland. And I got really excited and looked over and popped the door open. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, don't worry, you won't be able to shut it because of the cabin pressure or whatever. He's I like, just leave it. Just yeah. leave it. And so I had to, we had to fly another 20 minutes with the door She's open. She's got like anxiety. But oh, we flew, <laughs> we flew. Landed on you're about top to ruin a bunch of little kids, you know, yeah. trip to Disneyland. 
<laughs> you guys have some risky dates. Yeah. <laughs> they land, they so, land the plane right on top of the the highest point in Catalina, and there's like an airstrip up there. Nice. And uh, there's a little tiny restaurant up there, and we that had lunch. Took fun. pictures for a while, and then flew back. It was it was pretty awesome. Wow! And it had so to be one point for a while. I was gonna say it had to be a surprise because if you told me, I probably would have been like, no, like, no I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, where are, you, where are you taking me? And like, we pulled into this little airport in Corona. <laughs> That's awesome. I have to say, those are probably two of the two of the most exciting exciting yeah. and risk taking dates we've we've heard on our podcast those are that's awesome those yeah. are great. our normal dates aren't quite as well we'll, do is we'll try and we'll try and do some uh, more dangerous ones the next time we talk to you guys <laughs> hey. yeah, you, you, you can't you gotta go you gotta go forward you can't get back yeah, you gotta go forward. <laughs> that's the rule so okay so you have this amazing ministry and everything you guys are up to so it's, I'll give you guys the, the open mic here just in terms of where, where can people go to find Marriage After God, the book, and where should they go to find more of, uh, of the Smiths? Because obviously you guys are extremely wise, gospel-centered. We love you very much, and we want people to find you if they haven't found you yet already, which I doubt. Anyway, where, where can we send them? Uh, the easiest thing, so our, our podcast is Marriage After God. They can search that wherever they download their podcasts. And then marriageaftergod.com. And they can get access to buy our book wherever they want through that. It's just the easiest way. And anyone awesome. on Instagram can check us out at Marriage After God. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, Aaron and Jennifer, thank you guys so much for spending the time with us. This has mm-hmm. been a joy talking with you. Such um, a privilege. Yeah. I genuinely w- can't wait till the next time we get to see you guys in person. Mm-hmm. I know Aaron, you and I keep texting back and forth. I, which yeah. which family is going to break at this point? Which one's going to go? The weather's really nice in Bend, Oregon right now. So you should. <laughs> just I heard down. you don't have enough sun to grow your garden solid. yet. So I don't believe you. <laughs> it perks up in August. So yeah. I caught you in a lie, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> it's really nice right now. <laughs> we had a few, we had a few rainy days, which was really weird. But right now it's really <laughs> well. We have a lot of rainy days, so I don't know. Anyway, thank you again for joining us, and uh, we'll we'll send we'll put all these cool links and everything in the uh, in the show notes, and we will make sure and send folks your way. Aaron and Jennifer, thanks once again. Love you guys. All right, friends, you heard them. Just go to marriageaftergod.com or search for Marriage After God wherever you stream your podcasts. Or if you're on Instagram, find them with their handle at marriageaftergod. Once again, we hope you learned something from this episode. I know the Smiths have been a huge blessing to us and to our marriage. So do go check them out. And uh, until then, we will see you in a few days. All right, stay fierce. Thank you for listening to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. For more resources for your marriage, please visit FierceMarriage.com or you can find us with our handle at Fierce Marriage on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. We hope it's blessed you. Take care.